Hi there, Caitlin here. Our mission at EB Academics is simple. Help middle school ELA teachers take back their time outside of the classroom by providing them with engaging lessons, planning frameworks, and genuine support so that you can become the best version of yourself, both inside and outside of the classroom. So if you think you might be ready to try something new because you know you simply cannot continue the way that you have been, that I'd invite you to take a moment to check out the EB Teachers Club, the EB Writing Program, or the EB Grammar Program by visiting the links in the description of the podcast. We hope to continue to support you within one of our programs in the future. And in the meantime, we look forward to serving you right here on the podcast each week. All right, welcome back to the podcast, you guys. And this is a special Thursday bonus episode. And we're going to be doing this for, I think, the whole month of June, where we're going to air an episode on Tuesday and an episode on Thursday. We're really diving into just a lot of like the organization of our curriculum, batch planning, like our whole kind of EB lesson planning approach broken down for you in a variety of ways. Um, And we're doing all of this in conjunction with a free workshop that was just mentioned on the intro of the podcast, where we're going to talk to you about, you know, three key strategies for fitting it all in, yes, but also for keeping your students engaged in their learning while also seeing increased learning outcomes, right? Those are the three things that we see. Like It's like the trifecta of problems, if you will, that we see teachers experiencing, right? I don't have enough time to teach everything. My students aren't engaged and my students aren't, their learning outcomes aren't increasing. So this free workshop that we're doing, this free professional development that we're doing is all about addressing that. So if you want to sign up for that, if you go to ebacademics.com forward slash engagement, you can grab your free seat and then keep listening to these podcast episodes that we're going to air over the next couple of weeks, because these tie in directly to what we'll be speaking about um, during that free workshop. So today's episode is all about transforming your teaching and supercharging student learning, but curriculum organization is the key through which to do that, okay? So as we get started, I'm going to describe three situations, and I'm curious which of them or maybe all of them perhaps applies to you. So you can raise your hand by yourself if you're like, yep, that's me. So number one, you feel like your lessons are all over the place. One unit ends and the next begins. There's no segue. There's no continuity. It's like this abrupt like shift, right? Number two, perhaps there's no rhyme or reason as to when you do particular writing units. You just know you need to cover them at some point in the school year and you kind of like, oh, I got to do narrative writing now, right? Or number three, perhaps you lesson plan for the week ahead every Sunday afternoon or during one of your prep periods on Thursday afternoons. And if you're lucky, you know, you don't have a meeting at that time. So you can use your prep period to do that. But it's like your lesson planning every Sunday or your lesson planning every time you have that prep period on Thursdays, whatever. So if you're feeling frazzled and you're feeling uncertain about juggling all of the different lessons that you need to teach during the year, then this particular episode is going to be incredibly helpful. We're going to give you a game plan that you're going to walk away with. And here's what's important that I want to just note is that the choice ultimately is up to you, right? Jessica and I can give you all the strategies. You can listen to every podcast episode, but until you actually do something different, you're not going to see different results, right? You can keep doing what you're doing and still wake up frantic every Monday. You rush to get to school, make copies before students arrive. That's like the worst feeling. Or you can not only just listen, 
but you can take what we're sharing with you and put it into practice, right? You can nail down your curriculum using an effective and proven system to get maximum results. And at the end of that day, that all starts with batch planning. And it's like, well, duh, let's just batch plan, right? <laughs> Love it. So when you batch plan, that means you're going to sit down and you're going to map out your content for a set period of time. Maybe it's three weeks or three months or even all year, like once you get really good at it. And batch planning helps you organize everything. It gives you that game plan for your entire curriculum because you know what's happening on any given day. And then you can plan accordingly for that. So you can think of it like your roadmap or your recipe of sorts, like you're following it so that you know what to do on next Tuesday or Tuesday, four months from now. You know what's expected of your students. You know what standards you're going to cover, what assessments you're going to give. And when you know all that, it makes your teaching and your lessons so much more intentional. And because you're organizing everything with batch planning, you're now able to intentionally map out your reading and writing units to maximize student learnings. Like Caitlin said earlier, are any of you just, you know, randomly saying, oh, I better get to argumentative writing or narrative writing. I'll just squeeze that in now. Well, with batch planning, you don't have to do that where there's no more just moving on to the next unit in the textbook just because you finished the last one. Instead, you're strategically planning out your units so that you can increase the levels of complexity of the tasks that your students are reading or the complexity of their writing assignments throughout the course of the year, right? It should be getting harder for them. So we get to be intentional about that. You're not going to start off the year with, you know, argumentative writing and counterclaims if your students don't know a single thing about claims or literary analysis, right? You need to start with the baby steps there. And that's why you need to sit down and batch plan and think of batch planning. It's kind of like a a game of Jenga, right? If you've ever played that, but with your lesson plans where each piece gets to fit perfectly and build off of the previous one. So when you sit down to batch plan, that allows you to really spend the time thinking about where literally every single lesson is going and how each of your units can build off of each other. And I think that's what a lot of teachers miss. And that's what causes a lot of stress when it comes to lesson planning and trying to cover everything. You were never taught a system, right? Think back to college, all those education classes, your reading methods class, your writing methods class, even when you were student teaching, did anyone ever teach you how to effectively lesson plan so that your students were engaged and mastering the standards? And then you weren't like pulling your hair out in frustration, I know I was never taught it. I'm guessing you weren't, Caitlin. And like when I student taught, those teachers were definitely last minute planners. And it was always like the dreaded thing. And I didn't know any better. I was like, oh, okay, that's just what you do. Yeah, a hundred percent. Even in my master's program at a great, I mean, we I have my graduate degrees from Loyola Marymount. So is mm-hmm. yours. It's like, or no, yours is from Chapman. Mine's from Chapman. Yeah. Chapman, that's right. So like, I thing. had a great master's degree, secondary education, right? And one of the classes was about how to like craft your curriculum. And I just remember the like number of things that we put into each lesson was wild or like the TPAs. Do you remember having to submit those to the state of California? It was like planning of it. So, so what happened was because the way that they taught us how to plan was so not realistic in practice, right? (laughs) Like theory, sure. But like in practice, no. And it was so overwhelming. I'm like, well, there's no way I can I can do that because one lesson took me two weeks to write. Like, that's just not, I'm like, that's not what I'm doing, right? So they made lesson planning successfully seem like it was an impossible task. 
Right. It was, right? and it was also so overly complicated. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So bringing back we nightmares. actually have, what's, what'd you say? Is it bringing back nightmares of like I know, out those units? <laughs> I even remember the classroom that that specific class was in. <laughs> so we actually have our batch planning live event coming up on, I think it's the 28th and 29th of June. It um, is. Where it is the 28th and 29th. Okay, perfect. Um, where we work with, you know, hundreds of teachers for two days, we map out their year together so that they leave with a concrete game plan for what they are teaching, when they are teaching it, and it's organized, it's engaging, it's aligned to the standards. So I know we've been talking about our free PD event in June. Our batch planning live event is a little bit different. So this is just two days together. It's a live event. You do buy a ticket, but we do accept purchase orders from schools. If you want to grab a ticket to that, you can go to ebteacher.com forward slash summer 2023 BPL, which stands for batch planning live. Um, so just a little side note, if you want to participate with us, some of you may already actually have your ticket to, to joining us. And we do want to share a little insider's tip with you for when you start batch planning. And it's something that we always share with our teachers during batch planning live. And that's to start with your big units in mind, right? So decide what novels or what writing units you will be doing because that way you can build off of them. So you can figure out, you know, what standards you should cover in those units and where they best fit into your scope and sequence. So let's break down what this might look like in terms of let's do writing, for example. Okay. Let's say, you know, you need to cover narrative writing, argumentative writing, persuasive writing, and expository writing. However, have you ever considered when it is best to teach each of them during the year? Like, have you ever sat down and had a conversation with yourself? Like, hmm, I wonder if teaching argumentative writing to Jessica's point earlier is the best, right? Maybe some of us do that. Hopefully some of us don't. But you're going to get the best results and help your students grow as writers the most, we feel, if you start with your narrative writing unit first, right? It's something that we teach all of our EB teachers to do. And the reason being is that it's approachable, right? It's a quick Typically at EBR unit, it's a three-week unit, right? And you start the year off with narrative writing because that also allows you to get to know your students, right? You can see their writing style. Of writing a narrative, it's not necessarily intimidating for them because they're just telling a story. They can produce a strong piece of writing fairly quickly. It's not like the EBW approach if you are one of our EB writing teachers, right? That's more, let's say, like technical. That's more difficult for them. Narrative writing is like a quick win, right? So to tie this into a lesson planning system like batch planning, you would schedule your narrative unit for those first few weeks of school. But you would also look ahead at your calendar. You're, you would see, okay, where else can I spiral in narrative writing review activities, which is what we talked about in the last episode this week. Because of course, your students won't have mastered all of the narrative writing skills or standards through just one unit. So a quality narrative, you know, includes leads, endings, transitions, dialogue, dynamic vocabulary, right, et cetera, et cetera. And when you batch plan, you can essentially schedule in a class period every free, every few weeks or so that reviews one of those narrative concepts. So you're looking at everything in front of you, right? You see your narrative writing unit those first few weeks of school, then you're like, okay. And like, I'm thinking in my mind, it's almost like if you had a whiteboard, right? Or you had a place like write all of this stuff down and really start to intentionally see where does all of this go in the larger scheme of planning, right? And that's exactly what I used to do in, with my students, right? In fifth grade, what that looked like is I would do my deep dive narrative unit at the very beginning of the year. And then 
automatically I would have already scheduled in a review lesson on leads just a few weeks later. It was like a one class period things. Students were not writing another like full-blown narrative. They were just writing three practice leads on a given topic. And that was it. So then we reviewed that like substandard for narrative writing. Then a few weeks later, I do a dialogue activity with them. And then maybe I'd have students write a lead and one body paragraph with some dialogue. Again, it's not a full-blown narrative. So it's quick. It's only taking me one class period. So I'm building in that review consistently throughout my year with narrative writing. And then once all your narrative writing activities have been spiraled into your year, then you get to go look back at your calendar and say, okay, what type of writing do I get to do next? Now, if you're familiar with EB, you know, we always suggest that after narrative writing, you start with the EB writing approach. And that's the foundation for literary analysis because all the other writing genres, argumentative, persuasive, expository, they're all built on literary analysis writing. So you pencil that into your plans. Maybe it's another, you know, four or five week EBW, evidence-based writing unit. And then you spiral in those literary analysis activities throughout the year so that your students are consistently reviewing these concepts that are standards aligned. They are not just writing one literary analysis essay for that first novel you read and you're like, great, check that off the list, done. No, they're doing it six, seven, eight times throughout the year. Yeah, and I want you to notice how essentially you're planning using a system or like using a framework, right? You have a roadmap for what writing units to do and in what order, right? Like literally you have a roadmap that we've given you inside the program if you're an EB writing teacher, right? We literally show you what to do. But in addition to having a roadmap, you're batch planning, right? So I love, I just love looking at things through like, um, through a framework or through a system because then it's, we, we just do it. Like this is just what we do, right? So you're organizing all of your curriculum incredibly intentionally in order to supercharge your students' learning as they progress and they get better and they can do more challenging work. And the same thing, intentionally mapping out your units while batch planning is 100% applicable to reading as well, vocabulary as well, grammar as well, right? Every single other part of what we get to teach as ELA teachers. So I want to give you an example from my own eighth grade classroom as to why I chose books for certain times of the year. So if we're talking about this through the lens of reading, right? So at the beginning of the year, I'm not going to start off with a super difficult text like Romeo and Juliet, or I'm not going to teach night to my students in September. Okay. I want to be able to get to know my students better, especially their maturity level. How am I going to teach Romeo and Juliet to this group of students? Or how am I going to approach night with this group of students? So I'm taking all of those different things into account when I'm strategically organizing my curriculum as I batch plan. And so I actually started my year off in eighth grade with the novel or um, The House on Mango Street. It's short vignettes. It's really interesting. It's easy to read. It also ties in beautifully to teaching narrative writing with them. And then I can move into the EBW approach, which is that literary analysis foundation that Jessica just talked about. I go into that right afterwards. So I'm being really, really intentional with choosing that particular text for that particular time of the year. I'm not just choosing any book. No, like I've spent time thinking about it and that's going to help me organize my curriculum for maximum maximum learning, right? And for a book like Night, I'm probably going to teach that at the end of eighth grade. 
it's really difficult to read. It's challenging. It's emotional to read with students. I want to make sure that at that point, I have really strong connections and relationships with my students as we read and work through that difficult text. I want it to be meaningful for them and meaningful to us in our classrooms. So when I have those personal connections, when I know my students, when I know which students this is going to be really hard for, and I can make sure that I am there for them more so than I might necessarily be if I'd done it at the beginning of the year and I didn't know perhaps something that would trigger them in this text or whatever it might be that you know I need to be aware of. So it's really important thinking about your novel units too or your short story units too of of the where and why, not just in uh, standards wise, right? But in maturity level wise, appropriateness wise, relationships wise, like thinking about it from a holistic perspective, as opposed to just the standards-based perspective, I think is really important too. So now that you've heard like how Caitlin did this with her own students, right? How she picked particular novels for different types of the, or different times of the year. I want you to ask yourself some questions about your students and your own curriculum. Are you organizing your curriculum with a clear reason in mind? Are you using the standards as you as your guide as you make decisions about what lessons or activities to do in a given week or a given month? Or if it is a new novel for your students, ask yourself, why? What's the purpose? What standards do I address in that book? Will my students be able to comprehend it at this time of the year? Are they ready for it? Maybe it could be better read, you know, at the end of the year. You can even look through different lenses of equity and diversity and all the different things that we want to make sure we're including for our students to give them various views and voices to read throughout the school year. So if you just stop and you spend a few minutes thinking about why am I teaching what I'm teaching, it really is going to transform your entire teaching experience, your entire curriculum for your students. Yeah, absolutely. I think that last point that you mentioned about equity and diversity in our literature, that's quite often, you know, can get put to the wayside when we're not planning intentionally like this, right? Because we're not seeing, oh my gosh, I don't have different voices in my text, right? And I'm not actually being representative of all the students in my classroom. And I think that that's a huge part of what we get to do and a huge responsibility for us as teachers as well. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, this all applies to vocabulary, grammar as well, right? Within ELA, there are so many different areas to focus on that it makes a world of a difference for you as the teacher when you've got that clear roadmap, you have those clear systems, right? And process for what you're teaching, when you're teaching it, why you're teaching it, all that stuff, right? And at the end of the day, it helps your students maximize their learning because they have those building blocks over time to get better as the year goes on. So hopefully you have some great takeaways from this particular episode. We would love to hear from you over on Instagram. If you go to EB Academics um, on Instagram is our handle. And we have the blue check mark officially. We're verified because we paid for it (laughs) (laughs) because that's the world we live in now. Um, Total side note. But We will be back on the podcast next week on Tuesday. We'll be talking about why a systematic curriculum is the key to unlocking student potential. So again, you'll notice a theme here, right? We're really helping you um, be able to organize, use frameworks or batch planning approach. All of the things that we wholeheartedly believe here at EB Academics makes the difference for teachers. And it's all tied into that free PD workshop that we're doing in June about student engagement, increasing student learning outcomes, and teaching you to fit it all in. So if you go to ebacademics.com forward slash engagement, grab a free spot for that. We'll see you there live. And then we'll also see you next week on the podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Bye, everyone.